0: Well, I hope you've been enjoying this series that we've been uh, just uh, journeying through this entire summer, and uh, I can just be honest with you, it's stretched me, it's challenged me, it's helped me think about God in new ways, and my hope is that you've experienced some of these big questions we've been tackling uh, in the same way. But what a crazy concept, when you think about this concept of knowing God personally, I mean, it's something that if you've grown up in the church, you've heard about for a long time, you've heard the stories, you've heard uh, John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, that, that God pursues us in this way that we can actually know God. But I wonder if it's something that we don't, uh, from time to time, take for granted. I mean, just think about this idea to actually know the God of the universe personally. I mean, what a crazy concept. And the truth is, uh, for for much of my journey, for much of um, my walk with God, um, many a times it, it just comes down to me more knowing about God than actually knowing God. But the invitation that, and what we're really talking about today is, what would it look like to actually know the God of the universe? The God who already knows you better than you could ever know yourself. To know God personally. And no other major belief system has a concept of relating to God in such a way, in the way that Christianity does. That we don't just get to know about God, we get to know God, we get to be known by God. And so just kind of on this foundation of humility, I want uh, to to talk to you today about what it looks like uh, to relate to God in this way and how God has first related uh, to us. And so I'm going to use stick figures because uh, why not? I didn't draw them, so you'll actually be able to see what they look like or what they actually are. Um, this is actually a uh, concept that was developed by some friends of ours uh, up at a church up north called Rivertree Christian Church. And uh, I like the way uh, that they approach uh, this topic. Topic and thinking about how do we relate to God and so um, or uh, before that how does God relate to us and so um, here, here's picture number one the first thing that we need to know there's God by the way it's it's not drawn to scale um, just so you know it's like he's much bigger than that um, but just there he is okay there, there's God and notice that first of all he has a halo on his head right because God is perfectly holy he is everything that we are not he is perfect in every single way And notice also that God is smiling. And some of you might not have this picture of God. You maybe have this picture of God that's more, he's angry most of the time. He's upset. He's ready just to rain fire down from heaven. And to a certain extent, yes, God in his nature is perfectly holy. Uh, He is completely opposed to sin. Yet God is for uh, his people. And so we can assume that God is smiling. Uh, He has this smile on his face um, because he loves um, and by his nature, he is also love. And so um, when, we have, when we choose to enter a relationship with God, we get the opportunity to receive his favor, right? That God is actually first and foremost for us. And you might think, well, you know what, I, I just kind of feel like God is against me or he's up against me. Or maybe you feel like, you know what, I just feel like I'm always letting God down. If I if I really unpacked the things, and he talked on that video about this secret room, right, of all my junk, all my garbage, all my mistakes. There's no way if God knew all of that stuff that he could actually be for me, that I could actually receive God's favor. And so many of us, we sort of just re- kind of approach God in fear, and so we step back because there's no way that God is for me. Yet the first truth that I want to uh, help you to kind of just, um, just embed into your hearts today is that God is for you. One of the people in my life that has just shown that they're most for me over the years is my grandma Lambers. Uh, you know, grandmas are supposed to always have your back, but my grandma um, is the best grandma ever. I'm sorry, uh, and she's probably listening right now because she's one of my loyal listeners. Like she'll she'll listen to that. She'll be like, "Hey, I loved that, and I you know it was so good." So she listens every single time. She gets mad if it's not up by Tuesday. She's like, "Hey, where's the clip? You know, of you teaching, and I need that." Um, but my grandma is just one who is so personally invested in her grandkids. I've always known that she's for me, and one of the reasons I know this is because she's constantly snapping photos, like, she's, like, every opportunity she gets, she's snapping photos of her grandkids, and now she's learned that, like, on Instagram or Facebook, she can take a photo, and so she, I don't even know how she does it, some sort of grandma magic, she takes the photo, and immediately, like, before I even, like, realize, like, anything happened, that photo is printed out, and it goes into this book, and these books just continue to collect memories over the entire year, and then we receive the book at the end of the year, say, hey, here's all that happened, and she just takes great delight in doing that, and, and just capturing these uh, moments, and uh, one of the best was when I was in a musical in high school, and uh, I just had this small supporting role, the truth is I, I have very little acting skills, but my acting teacher was like, hey, you should, oh, I want you to try, so somehow I got this part, and uh, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun, I really enjoyed it, it was a musical, but they're like, you just stand in the back, like, don't sing anything, like, please and uh, so, but my grandma, she came out to the show, of course. And she probably hit multiple shows. I can't remember. Um, but she was just, I just remember her just being so excited after the show. Like, you would have thought that, like, I wasn't a supporting, like, role in, like, a high school musical, but I'd, like, just made Broadway. And she made this, like, big, like, picture frame with all of these memories from the show and, like, the picture of my, my name up on the marquee and the picture of the, pro, and the program was in there and everything. And she just, like, had captured this moment in just such a way that she was just so, so proud. And I share all that to say, you know, I would never doubt, ever, ever, ever doubt that my grandma is for me. Yet, how often do we forget that God is for us, that that the God of the universe is actually for us, that he wants good things, that he has good intentions. And this, this is the one that's sometimes tough for me, that he actually delights in us, that he's actually proud of us, that he doesn't just love us out of obligation, but he actually likes us, that he actually captures these memories, right, um, along the way and actually takes great pride in us. And we see this really uh, from the very beginning in Genesis when God is creating and it says that so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God. So he creates us in his own image, male and female, he created them. And then we see at the end of this that God saw all that he had made. And throughout the whole story it says that God made this and it was good. God made this and he saw that it was good. And then it comes down to creating mankind and it says that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. That God delights in us as those who are made in his own image. And that when we have a relationship with him, we can experience a favor even beyond this. That God actually, because of the relationship that we have established in him, he's proud of us. That he delights in his, his children. Listen to the words of Zephaniah written to God's people and true of you and me. It says, do not fear Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. He God will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So yes, friends, children of God, hear me say this. God is for you, not against you. And the next way that we see God relates to his people is that not only is God for us, but God is with us. And we all go through the emotional roller coasters, right? We all have these moments in our life where God might feel distant. Maybe you're in a season of life right now where you feel like, I, I, just, I don't know where he is. I can't feel him. I can't sense him. But the truth of Scripture reveals that God never abandons us. He's with us. In the next picture, it shows us with a ball cap. And uh, we'll just say it's a Reds cap because it is. And we're, notice we're frowning, and it's not because the Reds are in last place, although that is very sad. Um, but we're frowning because we're sinful by nature. We're different than God in every single way. And so in that way, we still have this insurmountable barrier between us and God and our ability to relate to God. Because, because God is holy and perfect. And so there he is, perfect and holy, everything we are not. Uh, but throughout the Old Testament, God sought to be with his people. Uh, throughout the, the New Testament, throughout the scripture, we see that, um, that God continues to pursue his people. And he promises to never abandon them. And we see that God is with people time and time again in great moments, in difficult moments, in challenging moments, in the darkest of moments, in the moments when when all else feels lost, God was with his people. We see that God was with David as he faced foreign powers over and over again. When he faced Saul, the the king, uh, chasing him down, cornering him, trying to kill him when he was driven to despair from evil men who sought to kill him. We see God with him as he stood toe-to-toe with Goliath as he takes down the giant, right, as he faces this impossible challenge. We see God with Daniel when Daniel's faithfulness to God landed him in a den of lions. We see God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow down to an image of gold and were thrown into a fiery furnace. We see a fourth person in the fire with them, right? Because God stands with us. And the list goes on and on and on. God is with us. He will never abandon us. I had a dad, a dad fail, one of many, um, a couple weeks ago. And uh, we, we went to Kings Island. My dad was with me, too, so it was also a grandpa fail. I'll just throw him out there. Um, but we, I had gone to take Aiden to Kings Island, and at one point I thought, like, Boo Blasters looks like a pretty, like, mild, tame ride. And so when he was real little, I took him on Boo Blasters as, like, three. And I'm like, this is intense. And not only was it, like, intense, like, stuff's jumping out at you and loud noises and, like, scary things and skeletons. And, like, I was a bit overwhelmed. I'm like, you know, just shoot at them, you know. Like, don't, you know, they won't get you. Um, but, like, Aiden lost his mind, like, lost his mind. And then we got, like, stuck right in the middle the whole thing, because I don't know what happened, but the ride broke down, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so this was experience number one. Experience number two, Aiden's now a year and a half older. I'm like, I think he might be ready. Like, it's time to, like, conquer his fear. And so we're like, let's try Boo blasters again. He seemed pretty confident. He's like, "Boo blasters, let's do it, Dad. Like, let's let's jump back in. And so uh, we, we got into the seat, and at first it was going really well, and we're all laughing and having a good time. We're shooting at stuff. And then it's like the, just the reality of all of it starts to set in. Like this stuff is actually pretty scary. And he realizes it. And he's probably going back to that traumatized moment a couple years ago uh, when, I, when I had him go through it again. And so you could tell. I could just see the look changing on his face. And I'm like, here we go again. No joke. In almost the exact same spot, the ride gets stuck. And I'm like, we're not we're not going to make it. Like, and it, all of a sudden, he's just freaking out. He's crying. He's losing it. And I'm like, I, I can't do anything. Like, we can't go anywhere. Like, there's, and I'm trying to, he's like, I want to leave. I don't, I don't want to be here. Like, and it's just, like, complete meltdown. I'm like, he's going to be jumping in bed with us. Here we go. Like, it's going to be, this is crazy. You know, Jess is going to be like, what did you do? Like, are you serious? And so, He's crying, and all I could think to do, because it was so loud in there, is I just grabbed him, like, by his head, and I, like, I squished his ears, so like, he couldn't, like, hear anything, and I turned his head, and I just looked him in the face, and I just said, hey, look, I'm right here, I'm not going anywhere, I'm right here, I'm right here, it's gonna be over, I just, like, talked to him the whole time, like, and I'm just like, hey, it's gonna be alright, it's gonna be alright, and I just kept talking him through it, and then finally, like, thank the lord the ride starts to move again but still like i'm just like like don't even look don't even and he's like well you know like he's trying to like don't don't look at this stuff you know don't let it get you it's gonna be fine you know And the message was consistent, I'm with you, I'm not going anywhere. And that's the same message that we see that God gives for those who trust in him, that he's not distant, he's ever-present in times of trouble and uncertainty. So whatever you're facing today, look God in the eyes and just hear him say, I'm with you, I'm not going anywhere. If we could just believe that truth, if that truth could just be embedded into our hearts, man, what could that change? This was God's message to Joshua during a very scary time for him. He had to fill Moses' shoes, right, and lead God's people um, into the promised land. And talk about some big shoes to fill. Like Moses is like this big celebrated guy. He's the leader. And so now, Joshua, you're next. All right, he's like, okay, uh, what do I do? And so he's afraid, of course. He feels young and inexperienced. The task is large. And in Joshua 1.9, God gives him this. He says, listen, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He's saying, listen, this is your confidence, Joshua. I'm not going to say that there's not going to be scary things, that that stuff's not all just going to go away, we're going to be stuck in difficult moments, we're going to have things that just scare the heck out of us, things that are difficult, things that we could never face on our own, but here's your confidence, here's why you don't have, here's why you can be strong and courageous, here's why you don't have to be afraid or discouraged, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go, God is with us. So, for those who know God personally, they can be sure that God isn't just for them, He is with them. But even more remarkably than that, the story of Scripture reveals that God became one of us. That God became one of us. And there, see, God put on the baseball cap, you know, Reds cap. I, I would assume. I don't know that God's wearing a Reds cap. I don't know. I can't confirm that anywhere, right? Uh, But there he is, and notice we're smiling now. Why? Because we have a way to God. We never could have made it to God on our own. We never, in any way, in anything that we could have done, we never could have approached God. Yet, the story of Jesus tells us that God put on human flesh, that he moved into the neighborhood, that he lived among us. Because, again, we could have never approached him. We never could have had access to him. He wasn't even, he wasn't in any way on our level. And what an incredible concept that Jesus, that God of the universe, would come and be just one of us, that he would live among us. When I went to the University of Kentucky, uh, we had when I first um, when I first, I almost said enlisted, when I when I first started college there, it might have felt like that sometimes. Um, but when I first started college, my freshman year, I remember pulling up and moving in. And it was the craziest thing, because right in the area where we were pulling in, I mean, talk about this, it's a university of like 30,000 students, and there the president of the university was, and he was receiving people at their cars. Right, He was shaking hands with parents, he was meeting us, he was spending time with us. And I just thought that was like the coolest thing, that like he would be there. His name was President Lee Todd. And that he would actually just like be there um, saying hello and welcoming us on campus, that he actually had time to like be among the students um, with 30,000 students and he was known for being a president uh, for the students and I remember one time that we thought that we would put this to the test that all right President Todd is a president for the students but would he come to a party if we threw it Like, would he actually show up if we invited him to one of our parties? And so we had this Halloween party. It was in this small apartment, this small dingy apartment. And we would have, we had friends that were DJs, and so we would throw these big dance parties. So much so that, like, I'm sure that somebody that was, like, an engineer or somebody that worked for um, the city of Lexington would be like, there's too many people in there. Like, this is a really, really bad, because we're jumping, and, like, down below they would tell us, like, our floor is, like, sort of, like, sagging every time. Can you guys stop? that, you know, but we would throw these massive parties, and we're like, one day, we're like, what if the president came? Like, how cool would that be? Sure enough, to our Halloween party, President Lee Todd and his wife show up to the party, and the DJ, just on cue, he plays, like, the presidential music as he walks in, he's, like, walking in, like, shaking hands, and that was just so cool to us that he actually took the time to come to our party. And we told that story over and over and over again. Obviously, I'm still telling. I'm still impressed by the fact that he took the time to come to our party. And yeah, that was pretty cool, but Lee Todd was only human. So how unthinkable, how unimaginable that God would lower himself to our level, put on skin, and live among us. Just let that sink in for a second. I think of the question that David asked when he says, What is man that you are mindful of him? What, what is the human beings that you actually care for them? Yet God cares in such a way that he is willing to come to us. John 1, 9-14 says that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as the only son, as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Colossians 2, 9, it says this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. I mean, how unthinkable is this? And C.S. Lewis, I love how succinctly he captures the beauty of this incredible exchange when he says, the Son of God became man to enable men to become sons of God. That he might adopt us into his family. That he might pay the price for the sin and the mistakes that we made and the brokenness that we have. And so through the person and work of Jesus on the cross, We can know God in a way that we never could have known him otherwise. Thanks be to God for this incredible gift. And there's more. God doesn't just dwell among us. He dwells within us. So the last picture we have is God in us. And notice now that because because of the work of Jesus and the person of Jesus, that now we get the opportunity not because of our own goodness or righteousness or anything we've done, but because of the the righteousness that he imparted on us, that we now have his DNA embedded in us, and we too get the opportunity to wear a halo to be like him in that way because of what Jesus has done for us. And when Jesus... Uh, departs to heaven he promises this gift he says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit that you're going to receive my spirit within you and in Acts he tells them hey listen here's what's going to happen you're going to continue on my mission you're going to you're going to continue to do my work I'm going to continue to to embed my life into you my DNA into you you're going to carry out my likeness So you're going to be a visible expression of who I was uh, as you go. and then So he gives them this charge, and then he says, listen, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he talks about this gift of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit um, can live within us. And in Acts 1.8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says it this way. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? And so we have the ability to possess God's very spirit within us, to guide us, to restore us, to transform us, to empower us, right? And talk about just this personal interaction that we get to have because God lives in us. And that's the truth for those who have a personal relationship with Jesus, that they possess the very spirit of God. The word uh, for spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma, right? So the word pneuma is the... I like Greek words that I can actually say, so I'll say it a few times. It's a pneuma, right? Um, which actually means wind or breath, you know. And I, I just think back to um, God breathing life—that He breathes, uh, that He breathes, that He breathes life into our lungs—and we see that in Genesis. And then this picture of just this wind is such a strong visual imagery of what it looks like to have God's presence, to have presence, the, the presence of the Lord in our lives. This strong, uncontainable wind. Uh, My dad and I were out um, kayaking and fishing on Houston Woods a few weeks back. And uh, it was was a really just pretty day. But we didn't realize it when we got out there. It was actually a really windy day too. And so we're out there just trying to chop through these big old waves. And the wind was just whipping around the lake. And uh, we were like, it it wore you out pretty quick. uh, But as we're riding around out there, we see this sailboat and uh, talk about a day to be sailboating or not because these guys I don't think really knew how to sailboat, um, which made it very amusing for me because like, they would come flying around and then like several times they would – They would, like, oppose the wind in such a way or they wouldn't have the sail in the right direction and the whole boat was, like, about to capsize. And so they would have to run to the other side and, like, jump on the side and, like, push it down so it didn't tip over. And I just kind of sat out there because I'm like, this could get interesting, like, you know. And I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I'm also kind of curious, like, what would happen if this thing just, like, flips over because, or these guys need to, like, either figure it out or get off the lake, right, because this is too much for them. And it was crazy because, like, occasionally they would get it right and they would just, like, shoot across the lake, right? But when they'd get it wrong, when they would resist the wind in such a way, it's like, you don't want to resist the wind, especially on a day like today. And so there's something powerful, right, Um, when you think about this illustration, when you think about a sail catching some wind, right, when you think about the wind of the Spirit. And my challenge to you today would be that you would raise your sails and actually receive the wind of God's Spirit, that that you would allow God's Spirit to direct you, to guide you, to empower you, right? It's certainly better than the alternative to resist the Spirit. And the Bible tells us do not quench the Spirit, but receive the Spirit. And when we live in personal relationship with God, we have this ability to be guided by His Spirit, to be empowered by His Spirit, changed by His Spirit. But we can make the choice to try and resist His Spirit. And so I just want to invite you to challenge you uh, to discover how powerful uh, it is when, God's, when the force of God's spirit, the wind of God lives in you. When you raise up those sails and say, all right, God, take me where you want me to go. Lead me, God, um, by the power of your spirit. Show me which way to go. Let me uh, receive your power, God, in my life. And so what you discover is that this powerful force lives in you, that the full force of Almighty God, the unstoppable God, that when we raise up our sails, that we have the opportunity to be empowered by God because the wind of His Spirit lives in us. And so what would it look like for us to pray that prayer to say, hey, God, just, I'll, I just want your wind to continue to blow through my home. I just want your wind to continue to blow uh, through this church. I want your wind to continue to blow into my life, to fill my heart, God. I just want to raise up my sails and receive what you have for me. I want you to guide me. I want you to, to show me your way. I want you to give me the best of what you have for me, God. I want to follow you wherever that may be. This is what it looks like to live in a personal relationship with God. And the question I want to leave you with today is, do you know him? Do you know him? And I'm not just asking you, do you know about him? I'm not just asking you, do you sort of kind of know him or kind of interact with him from time to time? But do you, would you say that you really know God in the way that he has made himself available to, do, to you? Are you growing to know him more and more? Because that's what he wants for you more than anything else, for each and every one of us. He doesn't want us just to do more for him. He wants more of us. He wants us uh, to be fully known by him and to fully know him. And that's really the invitation to know him. The one who knows us even more than we know ourselves. And all it takes is saying yes to his invitation to live in relationship with him to commit to him, to surrender your life to him by throwing up the sails and saying, God, take control of my life, to be baptized into him. And we're going to have a time here in just a little bit, and I'm going to spend some time um, just praying for us, because I thought that would be a great way to close out when we pose the question, do you know God personally? Maybe you just need to start the conversation. Maybe you just need to imagine that he, he's right there with you because, again, we believe that he is, right, that he lives in us. And so we can approach him in that way. And so we're going to take a couple moments here uh, just to meet with God. And David's going to come up and play for us for just a little bit. We don't often get these times to so just spend just slowing down and receiving his presence. And so we're going to do that for just a couple moments. And after we do that, after we close out in prayer and during this last song, I'm going to hang out down here. And if you're like, I, I don't know what that means, Josh. Like, I, I want to know more about knowing God personally and taking those steps. Or I'm ready to go today, whatever it takes, whatever that looks like. I'm all in. I want to know God in the way that you described today. Just come up and, and I'd love the opportunity to pray with you and talk with you about what that decision looks like. And so just go ahead, spend a couple moments. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head. And I'm going to lead us in through some different um, uh, prayers here. And I just want you to invite God to speak to you in these ways. So I'll pray something, and then we'll take just a moment or two uh, for you to go to God in prayer and to speak to him on that. So we'll take a couple moments of silence, and then um, I'll pray into something else. Okay, let's go to him now.